can be seated. Our kids can be dismissed this morning to their Sunday school classrooms. You know, before church started this morning, uh, actually right at the beginning of worship, I ran to the back and uh, went into the, each of the classrooms to thank our wonderful volunteers. How many are grateful for our wonderful children's ministry volunteers? You know, we need to thank them once in a while. When we pick up our kids, let's not be in a, so much of a hurry that we, we, we neglect to thank them for the great work they're doing with our, with our young people. Where would we be without our children's ministry? Thank, thank you. Every, every person that works in our children's ministry, we appreciate you so very, very much. This morning, if you're here with us in person or joining us online, we welcome you in. If you've brought a tithe or an offering uh, to give to the Lord this morning, uh, we want you to, we encourage you to do that. There's several ways that you can. Uh, you can give electronic or digitally on our app, or you can text EZ123 to 77977. That information is right there on the envelope in front of you. If you're, if you're more comfortable giving cash, cash or writing a check, uh, you can use the envelope right under your seat, uh, fill that out completely, just drop it in the giving box on your way out. There's two at each, each exit, and we'll be sure to, uh, to take good care of that and use it for God's kingdom. Somebody shout amen. Amen. I'm going to get into the word this morning, and I'm, I'm kind of ramped up today. I'm just going to be honest with you. I'm a little ramped up, and uh, I'm, I'm going to speak. I'm, I'm, I'm probably going to come at you hard and heavy. I'm going to speak probably fast. You're going to have to buckle your seatbelts because we're in for a ride this morning. Are you ready? Are you ready? All right. Most churches at the beginning of the year uh, spend their time talking about the vision of the church. We've done that here plenty of times at Elevate Ministries. It's something about turning the calendar that you start thinking about your life, you start thinking about your future. We start thinking together about what we can accomplish together. And so it's normal for churches to spend the beginning portion of a year kind of going over the vision and the strategy of the church and there's nothing wrong with that. That's, that's amazing. And the truth is our vision hasn't changed much in the last, uh, since we, we started this church. Our, our, our visions began with, with inside of Pastor Carl and in his heart he wanted to win one to Christ build one into a disciple, and release that one to find their destiny in Christ. And although the verbiage has, has changed a little bit, now we say we want to reach people for Jesus, we want to teach them to be a disciple, and we want to unleash them to their destiny. Even though the verbiage is changed, the vision remains the same. And I think in some, in some ways, every time you come into the house of the Lord here at Elevate Ministries, you'll hear us touch on the, that vision in some way or another. That's just, that's just kind of normal. And so, this year, at the beginning, I really felt like, like, like God wanted to, at, at, right at the beginning of the cusp, the, the beginning of this year, that God wanted to put vision inside of us. And he, 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 that inside, he wants us to dream. And, and he wants us to walk in the prophetic. And here's the truth. A lot of times what we can begin to think is, well, that's good. That's for the church, you know. We want the church to have vision. We want the church to dream big. And we, we'll participate in that. And we'll be a part of that in some way. But, but here's the thing. I really believe God wants to give you vision. And you're like, me? Me? Like, you're, you're talking? Yeah, I'm talking to you. I believe God, every person in this room... God has a vision for your life. There's a future that he has for you. There's a future for your marriage. Come on. There's a future for your kids. There's a future for your finances. God wants to prosper you. He wants to bless you. He wants to bless everything in your life. He wants to, he wants to do something great inside of you. But what can happen to us is, is we can kind of, especially after a year like 2020, is we begin to lose the ability to dream big or, 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 or see the future because everything's so screwed up. And everything's such a mess. And, and so what we wanted to do this year is rather than speaking to the vision of our church, we want to speak vision into your life so that you can have permission this morning. 
We want to give you permission to have vision for you, to have a dream for yourself because it's so important for you. It's, it's, it's so important for your life for you to have a place that you can come into and you can exercise your faith and you can begin to walk out that vision because we want to be people that live with vision, that dream big dreams, that walk in the prophetic. And why do we want to be those people? Well, because that's, what, that's how God describes his people. In Acts 2.17, it says that God will pour out his spirit on all flesh. Who's he talking about? He's talking about sons and daughters will prophesy. Young men will see visions. Old men will dream dreams. And what I love about that portion of scripture is that he, he, he hits everybody. Like that, you're in that. That scripture is talking about you. It's not talking about the pastors, the old guys in the church. No, he's, he's covering everybody. Everybody in here is a son. Everybody in here is a daughter. All of us, all of us fit in this category in one way or another. And when God speaks, the language of heaven is never about our past. The language of heaven is always future. It's dreams. It, it's vision. It's the prophetic. And so when God's moving amongst a group of people, what will happen is those people will be obsessed about the future. They'll be talking about the future. They'll be dreaming about the future. They'll be prophesying about the, the future because when God's moving and speaking to people, he's gonna speak to them about what he's thinking about. And God's thinking about future. He's thinking about your future. Now, we, we've covered this in, in many ways and we've tried to last over the last few weeks. And, and two weeks ago when, when I spoke here, I talked about that sometimes in order for us to enter into the promise of God, in order for us to get to the promise, and we use the story of the children of Israel as, as they were moving into the promised land. And we talked about them crossing over the Jordan River, and as soon as they got to the other side, they were actually in the promise. But they couldn't, they couldn't enter into conquest and, and, and defeat the enemy without doing something first. And God instructed Joshua at that point, he said, I want you to circumcise every young man. And I know that's a little bit uncomfortable in here. And we started talking about it, guys started getting a little squeamish. But, but you know, thinking maybe that's what we're going to have to do. Like we're going to have some kind of some circumcision day or something like that. But, but really what, what happened was, is in order, God knew that in order for those men to inherit the promise of God for their lives, they were going to have to deal with the compromise in their life. And, and God had initiated a covenant with his people, and that included, it was a blood covenant, and that included circumcision. But here we are so many generations later, and all of these men, they're, they're outside of covenant. They had somehow neglected to continue in what God had instructed them to do. They were disobedient. There was compromise in their life. And in order for them to get the promise, they were gonna have to, they were gonna have to experience some pain in their private. Because small areas of compromise will keep you out of the promise every time. The stuff you don't want your pastor to know about. You know, the stuff that you kind of hide from people in the church, that's the stuff that's going to keep you away from the promise of God for your life. And it's the same with vision. You can't have vision and have compromise. It doesn't work. You, you can't have the vision of God for your future and have hidden stuff going on inside of your heart. And so I know in this room, there's plenty of people you'd say, I wanna see. I wanna see what God has for my life. If that's you, come on, let me hear you say it. I wanna see, I, I wanna see, I want vision. All of us would like to have some clarity of vision 
with regards to our future. All of us want, want to be able to see the things that God has in store for us. I think, I think there's not a person in here today that would say, you know what, I'd rather not know. I think, I think we'd all, we all want to be able to, to, to see clearly. And so in order for that to happen, we got to deal with compromise. That's why we talked about that two weeks ago. And I want to talk about it again this morning. Because some of you left here two weeks ago and you didn't deal with your compromise. And you're wondering why you don't have vision. I'm telling you right now, you're never going to get the promise if you got compromise. You got to deal with the compromise. Now, I want to show you this again in a portion of scripture in, in Genesis chapter 12. I don't even want you to turn it. I want you to look at it on the screen. Because in Genesis chapter 12, God basically unloads a promise. He downloads a promise into Abram. We know who Abram is. He, he's going to eventually become Abraham, the father of our faith. The guy we sang about in Sunday school. Father Abraham, many sons, many sons, Father Abraham. Because you know the guy, okay? So, so God speaks to, to Abram and he says to Abram, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to create a nation out of you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to speak to my people through you. And in Genesis chapter 12, this is what he said. He said, he said go from your country, leave your people and your father's house to the land that I'm gonna show you. And I'm gonna make you a great nation. I'm gonna bless you. I'm gonna make your name great. You're gonna be a blessing. I'm gonna bless those who bless you. Whoever curses you, I'm gonna curse them. And all people on earth are gonna be blessed through you. How many know that's a pretty cool promise? That's a promise I want. I'd like to claim that promise for myself. So this, God's given him a promise. And, 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 then, and so Abram has a choice. Do I do what God says and walk into that promise? Or do I just kind of stay here in my comfort? And so what we read next in verse 4, the Bible says, So Abram went, look at it. So Abram went as the Lord told him. And look what it says there. And Lot went with him. I don't think the Bible is, ever puts anything in Scripture on accident. A lot of times we read that and we just go, oh, so Abram, he obeyed, but did he? Who was Lot? Who was Lot? I mean, Lot, Lot was Abram's nephew. Abram's nephew. He, Ab, Abram had a brother named Haran. Haran died, and so Lot was left fatherless. And so, so now here's God speaking to Abram, and, and he was very clear with what Abram was supposed to do. He says, I want you to leave this country I want you to leave your father's household or your family, and I want you to go to the place I'm going to show you. The very next thing we see is Abram left and took Lot with him. And took, took Lot with him. Why would, why would he do that? Well, I think, I think Abram dealt with something in his own personal life. There was, there was something inside of him that he, he didn't feel like he could measure up. Because Abram, his name actually means exalted father. How would you like to be named exalted father and have no kids? Hey, what's your name? Exalted Father. Hey, well, introduce me to your kids. I don't have any. That's a little weird. You know what I mean? That's, that would be, that'd be quite strange. And so that's kind of the, the, the situation that Abram's in. His wife is barren. He's 75 years old. And, and, and now he's got to go to a place and no one knows him. So he knows he's going to have to introduce himself as Exalted Father. And he has no kids. So I think inside of Abram, he thought, well, hey, you know what I could do? Is, you know, no one, would, no one would think it's weird. You know, I've been, I've been kind of like a surrogate father to, to Lot all these years anyways for my brother. I'll just take, you know, adult Lot along because that's who he was. He was, a, he was a man in his own right. So he makes a decision. I'm just going to take Lot along with me. I, he can kind of pass off as my son. I'll eliminate the shame of being exalted father with no kids. And here's the problem with that. God told him to leave his family and he took Lot. 
So although there was obedience, it was kind of partial. And so what happens when you, when you compromise is you always have problems. Can I hear somebody say amen this morning? When you compromise, you're always going to have problems. It's always going to create difficulties. And so here's Abram. He's allowed compromise because God told him, leave your family. He takes Lot. And so, and so now he's experiencing problems. There's, there's conflict between Lot's herdsmen and Abram's herdsmen. They're fighting and quarreling. And there's all kinds of, of conflict and confusion. And it's the same with us. I've, I've yet to compromise in an area of my life and have it add to vision. It always subtracts from vision. Every time you compromise, it always subtracted from vision. And here's the interesting part, is the name Lot, do you know what it means? This is going to blow your mind. Lot means veil. And that's exactly what happened to Abram. He was unable to see because he had allowed compromise to veil or to cover his eyes, not being able to see. But I want you to notice what happens when Abram deals with compromise. Look at verse, chapter 13 of verse 14. And the, and the Bible says that the Lord said to Abram, after Lot separated from him. So notice, Abram deals with compromise. He rids himself of compromise. And the very next thing that happens is he says, all right, Abram, lift up your eyes and see. He says, I'm going to, in, cha in chapter 12, he says, I'm going to show you this place. He was unable to show him until Abram dealt with his compromise. As soon as he deals with his compromise, God says, lift up your eyes and see. Are, are, you, are you seeing that today? As soon as you deal with compromise, God can give you vision. He can put a dream inside of your heart. But as long as compromise is, is allowed to live and rest in your life, I'm talking about the stuff that you hide from your pastor, the stuff you hide from the people in the church, the stuff that you don't want anyone to really know about, those hidden areas of your life. Listen, God can't help you with vision. He can't help you with promise. He can't help you with future as long as you're living in compromise. It's time for us to deal with it. Deal with our compromise. Deal with it. Deal with it. If you didn't experience pain in your private two weeks ago, today's the time. It's, right now is the opportunity for you to say, you know what? I'm, I'm done compromising. I, I'm done hiding this stuff. I'm done keeping it a secret. If God says don't and I'm still doing it, that's compromise. I'm cutting that. If God said leave it and I'm holding on to it, that's compromise. And I recognize I'll never get the promise as long as I'm compromising my relationship with God. I'm cutting the compromise. I'm paying the private. Deal with it now. Come on, man, deal with it now so you can get the promise and you can, you can have vision because inside you want to see. Somebody say, I want to see. That wasn't very many people. Come on, somebody say, I want to see. Come on, turn to the neighbor next to you and say, I want to see. I want to see. Turn to the person you just ignored and tell them, I want to see. I want to see. There's a, there's a person in the Bible, there's a story in the Bible about a man who also wanted to see. He wanted to see, and it's a story in Mark chapter 10, and in verse 46, and I want to read this story, and then we're going to go back, and we're going to slice it up, dice it up, and we're going to, we're going to, we're going to get some stuff out of it for our own personal lives. Is that okay? Amen. Mark 10, 46, uh, we're going to read all the way through verse, verse 52. The Bible says, now they came to Jericho, period. And as they went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great multitude, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the road begging. And when he heard it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And then many in the crowd warned him to be quiet. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. 
So Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. And then they called the blind man and said to him, be of good cheer, rise, he is calling you. And so throwing aside his garment, he rose and came to Jesus and Jesus answered and said to him, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said, I want my sight. Then Jesus said to him, go your way, your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus on the road. Somebody say, I want to see. I want to see. Blind Bartimaeus ended up with new vision. And today, I want every person in this room to leave here with vision. I want you to leave the same way that, that blind Bartimaeus left that encounter with Jesus. I want you walking out of here with vision this morning. And so what I want to tell you about the Bible is that there's nothing in the Bible that's out of reach. We can read stories like this and we think, man, that's, that's, that was great, you know, that happened, Jesus was there, and we kind of think, well, that's kind of, you know, that, I'll never get to see that, I'll never experience that, but, but here's the thing. You may have to reach, but it's never out of reach. Everything in the Bible is, is within reach. When Jesus sent his disciples out, what did he tell them to say as they preached? They, they, he told them to preach that the kingdom is at hand. What was he saying? He was saying, it's in your reach. That everything in the kingdom is within reach. You'll have to reach, but it's not out of your reach. It's in your reach. God doesn't put anything in his word to keep it from us. He's not dangling it out there, taunting us. You'll never forget this. That's not God. Everything that God puts in his word is for me, including this story. And so in verse 40, 46, something interesting. Just look at it. We'll leave it up there for a little while. It says in verse 46, now they came to Jericho. And I want you to notice there's a period there. Do you see that? <laughs> they came to Jericho. And then it goes, and as they went out of Jericho, Jesus with his disciples. So it just seems kind of weird. Like, it's interesting that, that, you know, what happened in Jericho? I mean, you look at that. They, they came to Jericho, period. And the very next thing we read is they left Jericho. I think, I think that's, I think that's strange, that, strange and interesting that Jesus and, and the Bible, they, they found it fitting to put this little this little sentence in there, they came to Jericho and then not say anything about it. Do you see that? It's like, it's like why, why in the world Jesus comes to Jericho, now he's leaving Jericho. What's up? Like, what happened? Doesn't that cause you to think what happened? Like, what in the world happened in Jericho? But what you'll find out as you dig a little bit is that Jericho is a cursed place. Jericho is a cursed place. You remember it was part of the promised land. It was the first conquest as Joshua and the people began to, after they circumcised, they went into Jericho, they loud shout, walls came tumbling down. And then Joshua said in, in, in chapter six, cursed before the Lord is the one who undertakes to rebuild this city, Jericho. And so we know that it was built because here in Jesus' day, this is, this is a long time later, Jesus went to Jericho and then he left Jericho. You know, somebody built this place. But we know it wasn't built with the blessing of God. It was built under a curse. It's a cursed place. And the thing that I love about Jesus is that Jesus is not afraid to go to the cursed place. He's, he's not afraid. So, so here's the thing I'm going to encourage you today. Let Jesus into Jericho. Let Jesus into your Jericho. Jesus wants to deal with your Jericho. Jesus wants to go into your Jericho, and here's the thing about Jesus, when he goes into your Jericho or that cursed place, that place where you're jacked up, where you're broken down, where you're dysfunctional, he goes into that place that I'm embarrassed about, that I'm hiding from my pastor, that I don't want anybody to know about, the place I'm ashamed of, all right? All right, he's not detoured by the things that I'm ashamed about. 
Jesus is not afraid to step into my Jericho. And matter of fact, every time I look at those dark areas of my life, there's Jesus. He's standing in my Jericho. What I love about this is that Jesus goes to Jericho and is a full stop. There's a full stop. There's a period there. Why doesn't, why doesn't the Bible tell us what happened in Jericho? I think the reason is, is because, is because Jesus is not trying to tell everybody our business. But he wants to go into Jericho and he just deals with the problem. He's not there to embarrass you. He's not there to make you feel bad. He's not there to pour on guilt. What we know is that when Jesus goes into Jericho, all we know is he comes out and he's got a multitude with him. So when he goes into Jericho, he takes care of the issue. It's none of anybody's business what he's doing in Jericho. What God is doing in your private areas, in those secret areas of your life, when God's dealing with those areas of your life, he goes in, but he exits, he exits victorious, and it's nobody's business what Jesus does. He just, he just, he just repairs what took place in Jericho. The dumbest thing that we could ever do is keep Jesus out of Jericho. Come on, come on, you're only as sick as your secrets. You ever notice you don't have secrets with God? You ever notice that? The only secrets you have are with the devil, which is crazy to me. It's like Satan comes to me, you can tell me your secrets, you can trust me. You can't trust the devil. You can't, you can't trust the devil. Why in the world would you trust the devil with your secrets? You'll keep Jesus out of Jericho, but Satan's got free reign. Come on, devil, devil. Get out of Jericho, make room for Jesus because I want Jesus to be, be, be victorious there to deal with what's in the darkness, in the hidden, in the broken, in the dysfunction, in the shame, in the guilt, in the fear. Jesus wants to go to your Jericho and he wants to come out and you're gonna be blessed, you're gonna be stronger, you're gonna be victorious. Aren't you, Greg? Come on, let Jesus into Jericho. How many make a decision right now? Jesus, you got access to Jericho. I'm, I'm swinging the gates open. You got access to Jericho. Look what, look what happens next. So as Jesus went out of Jericho, with his disciples and a great multitude, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the road begging. Now, now here's this picture, and we, get, we can kind of visualize this the best that we can, but here's this man, he's sitting along the road, he's begging, he's a professional beggar, he has no choice, he's blind, he's, he's unable to work, he's unable to take care of himself, and, and so he's begging. So here's a blind man, he's begging from people who aren't blind. And that's just how it is. People without vision are always dependent on those who have vision. And that's why God wants you to have vision so desperately. Satan wants to keep you from vision because he knows the moment you have vision, you become a leader. You become a leader. The moment you have vision, you become the head and not the tail. The moment you have vision, you become above only and not beneath. The moment you have vision, now you're able to help those that are stuck. You're able to help those that, that can't see, those that are begging along the road, those who are, are hoping for some mercy. So if you have vision for your marriage, if God downloads vision for your marriage, he'll probably show you a few areas. Hey, you need to address this. You need to take your wife to couples night, February 14th at the vault where steak and shrimp dinner. You know, God will begin to show you different areas that you need to work on in, in your marriage. And here's what will happen. You'll start to work on those and all of a sudden your marriage will start to flourish. And guess what happens? Now you've got vision. I realize, hey, if I'm obedient in these areas of my life, my marriage succeeds. And so now people are gonna notice your marriage is doing well, they're gonna come to you. And they're gonna be like, hey, how are you doing it? How are you doing it? And because you have vision, you're able to show them, you're able to help them, you're able to bring, bring direction. When I, when, when, when I have vision, I can lead. Verse 47. 
Verse 47, God wants us to have vision because when we have vision, we can lead. But what I want you to see here, I want you to catch this. Well, how do we get vision? Well, blind Bartimaeus, the Bible says, and when he heard it was Jesus, he began to cry out. When he heard it was Jesus, you see, the key to us having vision is we got to be able to hear. We got to be, before you'll be able to see, you first have to hear. Before blind Bartimaeus, before he could see the opportunity for vision, he first had to hear something. He had to hear some, before I can perceive what God has for me, before I can get a vision of what God has for my life, what God has for my marriage, what God has for my family, first, I have to hear. Because when I hear what God's doing, how many know this to be true? When I hear what God's doing, when I hear about the things that God's done, when I hear that, I get a picture of that in my own context, and I believe that what he did over here, what I heard about, he can do really right here in my life. So when I hear that you can be happily married, when I hear testimonies of God restoring marriages, when I hear people say that you can fall more and more and more in love with your spouse, I begin to get a vision of that being possible in my marriage. Your seeing is dependent upon your hearing. When Bartimaeus heard that Jesus was coming, he began to cry out. Why did he begin to cry out? Because he heard Jesus was coming. He heard, what did he, what was he heard about Jesus? Well, I, I'll bet you he's already heard that Jesus has healed other people. I, I'll bet you he's heard that Jesus raised the dead. I'll bet you he's heard that, 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 that he's, he's a, people that were deaf could now hear because of Jesus. I'm, I'm sure he heard about Jesus calming the storm, turning water into wine, opening blind eyes. I'm sure he's heard about this. And because he's heard the good news, something inside of him is beginning to, to see the possibility for his own sight. That's why we encourage you to come to church. That's why I'm encouraging you to be here every time the doors are open to be in the house of God. Why? Because when you're here, we're going to make sure. We've made a commitment that when you come to the house of God, you're going to hear a word from God. When you come to this place, you're going to hear a message of faith. And when you hear that, all of a sudden your vision can increase for your personal life. Your vision can begin to change. And I want you to leave here knowing that all things are possible. To him who believed. And so you may have walked in here this morning and you're thinking, it's hopeless. It's helpless. Game over. Our marriage is not going to work. It's never going to happen. We're never going to catch up financially. We're on the brink of divorce. I've lost my job. We're never going to be able to. I want you to come into this place maybe feeling hopeless, but then hear a word from God. And when you hear a word from God, everything changes. Come on. Somebody say amen this morning. So Jesus is talking about this very thing, and he says in Matthew 11, verse 5, that the blind receive, the blind see, the lame walk, lepers cleanse, deaf hear, dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. Now, I've always, I've shared this with you before. This, this, this scripture used to bug me so much. Because it seemed like Jesus was giving everybody what they needed. You know, like, the blind see. The lame what do they need? They need to be able to walk, so he gives them the ability to walk. The lepers, they need, they need their bodies cleansed of this disease, and so he, cleanses, he cleans them of the disease. Deaf people, what do they need? They need to hear. So guess what? He gives, them, he gives them the ability to hear. The dead, what do they need? Life. And so God gives them life. And then the poor, he gives them the gospel. That's so jacked up. You know what I mean? First time I read that, I thought, 
that's, that's so jacked up. Like, why? I mean, it, it seemed like the right thing to do in this situation is to give the poor some cash. Right? Come on, look at it. You're thinking, man, come on, give them some cash. You're giving the blind side, deaf hearing, dead life. All, you're doing all this, and you're giving the poor the gospel? Like, you're really shortchanging them. Why in the world would he preach the gospel to the poor? I'll tell you why. The reason Jesus preached the gospel to the poor is because the good news of the gospel says you don't have to be poor no more. The good news of the gospel says that you can experience breakthrough and blessing and prosperity in the kingdom. And so when the gospel is preached to someone that's poor, all of a sudden they, the hearing of that causes them to see that I don't have to remain this way anymore. That God can bless me. That he can prosper my life. That I don't have to stay in this situation any longer. Before you can see, you've got to hear. You've got to hear. So make the decision that every time the doors are open in the house of the Lord, I'm not going to stay in bed because it's raining outside and, and so comfortable under these sheets. I'm going to get to the house of the Lord because I recognize that when I hear a word of faith, I can see what God has for my life. Come on. I can see further. I can reach higher. I can dream big dreams when I hear the word of God. Verse 47. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. I love, I love this because what you, what you see here, the reason he was able to re receive his vision and get his healing, there's something that he exhibited here that, that, that I see instantaneously is passion. Is when he heard the word that Jesus had come, when he heard the word, when, when the word went in, passion came out. Passion came out. When the word came in, passion was stirred up. Passion was stirred up. I remember I got saved in my teenage years. I, before that, I had gone to church literally my entire life, whether it was a Christian church or, a, or a, like a real religious church. Usually every Sunday, we were in the house of the Lord. And my parents came here to Southern California to, to pioneer a church. I had never, I'd never really received a salvation experience on my own. I knew all about it. I could tell you how to be saved. But, but I experienced a relationship with God when I was about 14, 15 years old. And, and when I got saved, and when I came to Christ, I became extremely radical. Extremely radical. And not just me, but there was, there was a group of, of people in our church that when, when, we, when, we, when, we were, when we got saved, there was something that happened inside of us. A passion was just like unleashed. And so here we are so many years later, and I'm sure some people are disappointed. Because back then, there was a lot of people that said, oh yeah, you know, he'll calm down. He'll settle in. You know, this is what happens when people get saved. They get in fuego. They get on fire, you know, newly saved, new converts, you know, they're all a little bit radical, but, but you know, he'll, he'll calm down eventually, but here's the truth, I've disappointed them all. I've disappointed them all, because 30 plus years, I haven't calmed down yet. I haven't calmed down, I don't plan to calm down. I'm, I'm as passionate today as I was back then. And so I love when people come into our church, because we get visitors that come into our church all the time, and, and, and they'll walk in, they'll say, man, you guys are so enthusiastic around here. And I'm thinking, well, we should be. That's a great, let me tell you why we're enthusiastic. Because, because the word enthusiasm comes from the Greek word enthuseo, and that means in God. And so enthuseo all the way through the New Testament means in God. So being enthusiastic or having enthusiasm simply means that you're in God. 
Oftentimes I'll, I'll preach a message and, and, and people will come up to me and I, I can always tell that they haven't really gone to church much in their life. When someone comes up after I've spoken or something and they, you know, God's done something, moved on them in some way and they wanna come say, you know, thank you or whatever, you know? And so they'll come up and they're really, they're nervous. And they're like, father? And I'm like, no, I'm pastor, pastor, I'm not a father. <laughs> Chill on that. Oh, okay, pastor, pastor Adam, you know, I just wanna, I just wanna tell you, you know, the message today was very inspirational. Your speech today, that's what they, they don't even say message because they're not Christian yet. Your speech, the speech you did, you know, like this is speech class or something, you know what I mean? Like speech and debate. No, this is, he says, your speech, it was so inspirational. And I, you know, it, 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 something happens, I love it when they say that. Because, because inspirational comes from the word in spirit. And so when you're in spirit, you'll be inspirational. When you're in God, you'll be enthusiastic. And sadly, a lot of churches that you go to, you wonder, are they really in God? Because there's no enthusiasm. Sadly, you wonder, are they really in spirit because there's no inspiration? We should be the most enthusiastic, most inspirational people on the entire planet. Can I hear somebody say amen today? I know that people will say, oh, you know, that's just hype. You know, all those guys down there worshiping in the front, you know, look at the pastor. Just, he's, he's the craziest one playing air drums and everything. Look at him. It's, it's all hype. I don't care. Call it whatever you want. You can, you, let me tell you, you can call it a hype, but I'm gonna tell you something. It's, it's, what it's, it's not hype, it's passion. Because when you, when you hear the word of God, it, it produces passion inside of you. And let me tell you why passion is so important. So here's blind Bartimaeus, and he begins to cry out, son of David, have mercy on me. And I mean, he's repeating this over and over and over again. And the crowd is getting, they're getting annoyed by this. And they begin to try and say, hey, shut up. Bart, chill, dude, relax. It's Jesus, he's busy, come on, chill out. But it doesn't, doesn't detour him at all. He continues passionately to scream out, son of David, have mercy on me. Let me tell you why this is so important, because as soon as you get passionate, the lukewarm get convicted. The lukewarm get convicted. And so, so what will happen is, is the crowd will always try to silence passion. The crowd will always try to tell you, oh, just chill out. No, you don't need to get so excited. So what, what will happen is either the, crowd will, will, either the crowd will change or they'll try to change you. So in order for blind Bartimaeus from, to move from where he is toward his sight, it was gonna require passion. Because every one of us, there are gonna be obstacles, there's gonna be walls, there's gonna be opposition to the promise that God has for our life. We're, we're all gonna have, we're all gonna become aware of areas in our lives that need to change. God is gonna make you aware of the problem areas of your life. And, and most of the time, in those areas, in order for us to actually bring change, in order for those problem areas of our lives to change, there's gonna be pain involved. There's gonna be pain in the private. You know what I'm talking about. Some of the things that need to change in my life, in order for them to be removed, it's gonna be painful. There's gonna be a cost that's associated. It may, it may be somebody that you need to confront. How many you know confrontation is painful sometimes? It could be a relationship that needs to be addressed. How many know that, that can be painful at times? A breaking of a relationship can be painful. There, there may be a habit that you need to break. How many know breaking a habit is hard sometimes? It's, it's even painful. There's pain attached to, to, to the obstacle, to get rid of that obstacle that's stopping you from the promise. But here's what I wanna tell you. Nothing in your life is gonna shift 
until the passion for change is greater than the pain of that change. I'm gonna say that again for those of you who, who didn't hear that. Nothing in your life, hear this, it's very important. Nothing in your life is gonna change, nothing's gonna shift in your life until the passion for change overrides the pain of that change. So, so most people just hide their stuff. Most people just don't, they, 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 rather than face it, because it's too painful, we just kind of push it back, push it down, just kind of hide it. But there comes a point when you say, you know what, I can't take it anymore. That's what happens. There comes a point where you're like, you know what? I can't, I can't live this double life anymore. I can't, I can't live in compromise anymore. I can't live below what God's called me to be over. And a passion inside of you will get to the point that you say, I don't care what it takes. I don't care what it costs. I'm gonna face this thing. I'm gonna face this obstacle. I'm gonna deal with this compromise. I'm gonna deal with this sin. I'm not going another day living under what God's called me to be over. And a passion will begin to rise up. Passion is important. But the crowd, what do they try to do? They try to silence it. They try to silence, hey man, shut up. Why are you, why are you getting so passionate? So many people, they spend their lives trying to fit in when God called you to stand out. Most people spend their lives being a thermometer Christian. You're like, what's a thermometer Christian? That's weird, I've never heard that before. A thermometer Christian just kind of adjusts to the temperature of the room. So wherever they are, they just kind of, they just kind of adapt to, to, to the temperature of the room. A, thom a thermometer is just gonna kind of give you a reading of what's going on in, in the area. And most people are just content just being a thermometer. So if you're around somebody that's a little bit passionate for God, you, you, kind, of, you kind of get a little passion. Huh? If you're around somebody that's down in the dumps, you just kind of echo the same things. You're just, you're just a thermometer Christian. A thermometer gives you a reading of the temperature of the room. So if people will worship, I'll worship with them, I guess. If people, aren't, if, if people are shouting down Pastor Adam and, and helping him preach, I, I'll, shout, I'll shout a little bit. But if it's silent, I'm, I, I can't, I'm not going to be loud because, I mean, what will people think? I'm a thermometer. Don't be a thermometer Christian. Be a thermostat. Be a thermostat Christian. Because guess what? A thermostat walks in and says, this is the temperature. A thermostat walks in and goes, you know, feels a little icy in here this morning, but I'm going to give it a balmy 82. I'm, I'm setting the temperature of the room. You say, oh, man, it's a, little bit, it's a little bit hot in here. Guess what? It's, it's going to be a cool 67 because I don't care what's going on around me. I'm going to be a thermostat Christian. A thermostat is on fire regardless, regardless if everyone else is ice cold. Did you hear that? I said a thermostat is on fire even when everyone else is ice cold. A thermostat says it's winter, it's cold. No, it does, no it's not. It is now it is now burning up in here. A thermostat sets the temperature. It sets it. Let me tell you something. You were called to be a thermostat. You were called. God called you to bring change. So don't let the crowd or popular opinion or peers or friends or influencers, don't let them pull you down and dilute your faith. Make a decision right now. Make a decision. I'm living on fire. I don't care what everyone else says. I don't care what everyone else does. I'm going all out. I'm passionate. I'm enthusiastic. I'm full of the spirit of God. I'm inspirational. Everything about my life, I'm a thermostat. Let me show you what happens when you're a thermostat. 
Mind-blowing stuff. Are you guys ready? Get ready. This next, thing, this next bit is going to blow your mind. Verse 49. So Jesus stood still. That is amazing. That's crazy right there. And you guys are thinking, why? why? How is that mind-blowing? Like, I'm glad you asked, because I've been so excited to share this with you. Because here's, who stood still? Jesus stood still. Who's Jesus? Jesus is the Son of God. He's came into the world as a baby. He's lived through his teenage years, popping zits and going through, going through puberty. He has no, he finally gets to a place where he knows who he is. So he's 30 years old and John points him out and says, behold the son of God who's come to take away the sins of the world. He's 30 years old and God's basically downloaded his call. And so here he is 30 years old. He's called to be the savior of the world. Problem is, is there's a deadline for that. He's got three years. Three years to change the world. Just think about that for a second. Three years to plunder hell and populate heaven. Three years to save planet Earth. Three years to take 12 knuckleheads, teenagers, idiots, and try to help them gain the leadership skills necessary so they could take the church into, 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 the, into the millennia. In three years, God's asking Jesus to achieve the impossible, and everywhere he goes, he's got people pulling on him, grabbing at him, touching at him. Why? Because he's in such high demand. And, and here in this text, the Bible says Jesus stood still. He stopped what he was doing. I, I don't know if you understand the, the gravity of this. He stopped in his tracks. His, he's on mission. He stops in his tracks, and, and here's the crazy, if anyone doesn't have time to stand still, it's Jesus. Are you hearing me? I mean, come on, is that real? If anybody doesn't have time, if anyone had the excuse not to stand still, it was Jesus. And yet Jesus stands still, and here's the crazy part. Are you ready for this? He's not standing still for a king. He's not standing still for an emperor, a general. He's not standing still for somebody that's important. He, he's, not standing, he's not standing still. He's standing still for a blind beggar. And here's the, it, it, even further than that, we don't even know this guy. He's kind of unknown because we know him as blind Bartimaeus. Well, what does that mean? Blind Bartimaeus, bar means son of Timaeus. And so the, whoever wrote this, doesn't even go out of his way to find out the guy's name, to find out what his parents named him. He's just a blind guy, and he's the son of Timaeus, and that's all we know about him, and yet Jesus stands still. Why is Jesus standing still for this guy? Well, it wasn't his title. It, it wasn't his, his position, all right? It wasn't his accomplishments. He's just a blind guy that happens to be the son of Timaeus. What stops the son of God in his tracks? What caused Jesus to stand still, to stop his mission? I'll tell you what it was, passion. It was passion. So while the crowd is trying to silence him, his passion is screaming out, son of David, have mercy on me. Let me ask you a question. When was the last time your passion stopped Jesus in his tracks? When was the last time your, your passion caused heaven to look your direction? 
Not only does Jesus stop in his tracks, but look what it says next. He commanded him to be called. You better believe. I'm just going to tell you, I'm going to throw this out there. That if you can get God's attention, that if you can, if you can get, get divine attention, if your passion can, can get the attention of heaven, you better believe that when Jesus turns your direction, he's gonna say something to you that's gonna change your life. You're gonna get direction for your future. When Jesus looks at you, when you get his attention with your passion, there's a word about to enter your spirit. It's about to go forth. Jesus is commanding him to be called. And, and here's the thing, when I think about my life, I wasn't called because of my education. I, I wasn't called because of my good looks. I know some would argue about that. I wasn't called because of my personality or my giftings. I was called. The reason I can stand here today is because of my passion. It's because of passion. Passion is what, I'm not passionate because God's allowed me to do great things. I'm, I've been able to do great things because of my passion. Passion. Come on. Somebody in this room needs to develop passion. Passion. Look what happens. Look what he does. He takes that passion, and in verse 50, the Bible says, he throws aside his garment. I want you to try to picture that. He throws aside his garment, and maybe we just kind of read through that, and like, oh, that's cool. Why did he do that? Why did he do that? What was the garment? Well, I think that garment was given to him. It was issued to him by the government. It was, it was a garment that, that basically allowed him to be where he was in this prime location on this main drag to beg. And this garment basically told everyone he's allowed to do this. He's legitimately blind. He, he legitimately needs our help. And so, so as he's wearing this garment, it basically said, I'm a bona fide, certified person in need. The government has said this. It is, they, they've, they've made me a government-registered beggar. I'm allowed to do this. We live in a world that's quickly, is, is quick to label us. Have you noticed that? And, and when the world labels us, what, the reason they're labeling us and the reason we adapt to those labels is because we think, well, well, I have a reason to be unsuccessful. Because, because, you know, I have ADD. I can't concentrate. And so because I can't concentrate and I'm, I'm, I'm always scatterbrained, that's, I, I can't be successful. And, and well, I have ADHD, which is even, even crazier. Like, like I'm, I'm, I'm half schizophrenic and I can't concentrate, okay? So I, I got ADHD. Or, or, or maybe someone says, well, well, you know, I was adopted. Or, or, or maybe I lived in a foster home. Or, or maybe your, your past says, you know, I, I didn't get educated. Or I was born. I didn't have a father. All of these different things that try to label us. I have dyslexia. You know, I read this way instead of this way. I'm just weird. I'm kind of different than everyone. I've got an excuse not to be successful. Blind Bartimaeus took the garment and threw it to the side. He took the garment, threw it to the side, and what was he saying by doing that? He's saying, I'm not living with this excuse anymore. I refuse to be a beggar. I refuse to go back to underachieving and begging and looking to everybody else with, with vision to get my own. I'm going to see. He threw his garment aside, and then he rose to Jesus. Let me tell you something. When you throw aside your past and you throw aside those labels, automatically you begin to rise. You begin to rise. God begins to call you up. Somebody shout amen. And so when you, some of us need to throw aside some excuses today. Some of us need to throw aside some excuses. And when you make the decision, I refuse to live under what God has called me to rule over, you're going to find yourself rising above. You're going to find yourself overcoming because that's what God's called you to be. Amen. Amen. Verse 51, so Jesus answered and said to him, and this is so key and so critical, and it's also the title of my message. I want to see. 
Jesus asked him this question, what do you want? What do you want me to do for you? Can you imagine what the disciples were thinking? This guy's got a registered garment that says he's blind, that he has to beg. And here's Jesus looking at this guy. He can't make eye contact because he can't see. He's looking over here and Jesus over here. And Jesus asked him, hey, what do you, what do you want? I, I thought, that, man, that's a little bit, that's a little tacky and a little bit uncomfortable. And the disciples were like, Jesus, don't you know? Kind of obvious. Why are you asking what he wants? You know what he wants? Let me tell you what I want, what I really, really want. <laughs> huh? Jesus says, what do you want? What do you want? You see, Jesus doesn't ask questions that he knows the answer to. Let me say that again. Jesus doesn't ask questions because he needs to know the answer. He knows the answer already, right? He doesn't need to know the answer. He asks the question. He's trying to release the answer. He's trying to release the answer. And so he says, what do you want me to do for you? Notice he, he doesn't say, hey, 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 blind Bartimaeus. He doesn't say, hey, what do you need? He didn't say, what do you need? He says, what do you want? There's a difference between a need and a want. There's a difference between a need and a want, all right? God's not moved by a need. He's moved by a want. The, per the person that's addicted to heroin needs deliverance. Everybody can see that person needs deliverance. But until it moves from a need to a want, He'll continue to remain addicted to heroin as long as it remains a need, he'll stay addicted. The person that's addicted to alcohol needs set free. They need it, everyone knows it, everybody can see it, but until it moves from a need to a want, they'll always remain addicted. The person in poverty is gonna remain in poverty as long as it just remains a need, I need more money. Everybody knows you need more money. But until it, re it changes, something changes, as soon as a heroin addict, an alcoholic, uh, uh, someone in, in, in poverty, as soon as their, as their situation moves from a need to a want, Jesus says, what do you want? As soon as it moved from a need to a want, the blind man said, what do you say? He says, I want to see. I want to see. I don't want to live with this any longer. I want to be free. I don't want to waste another check just so I can cram a needle into my arm. I don't want to live consumed with a life that's addicted to this substance. I want to be free. When you want to be free, that's when Jesus' power can move. Are you hearing me today? But until it moves from the need, I, I need that. Until it moves from the need to a want, God's power is just kind of in the waiting. It's just kind of hanging on. So the question this morning is, what do you want? What do you want? I don't want another year like 2020. I don't want to live in fear. I don't want to be full of anxiety. I, I want my marriage to work. I want my kids serving God. I'm, I want my friends and my family saved. I want to stand for God. I, I don't want to live in compromise. It's got to move from need. It's got to move to want. It's got to move to want. God's power flows to want. It flows to want. Here, here's the thing, want and faith go together. Like two sides of the same coin, want and faith. They, they go hand in hand, they, they flow together. When you want something, 
What do you do? That's not a trick question. Like when you want something, what do you do? What do you do when you want something? When you want something bad enough, you ask for it. You ask for it. I, I, want, I, I want this. You, when, you, when you want something, you ask for it. The Bible says when you have faith, you have an ask. When you have faith, you have an ask. Whoso, whatsoever things you ask for, Jesus says, believe and you've received it. Faith always has an ask. The question is, what do you want? What do you want this morning? Everyone in this room should have a want. You should have a want. Don't believe the lie of the enemy that you shouldn't want anything from God. That, that, that's a lie. You have not because you ask not. What do you want? What do you want? I, I, I want to advance. I don't know about you. I've got a want. I, I want some things from God. I want this church to grow. I want people to come to this house and give their lives to Jesus. I want this city transformed by the power of God. I want to experience revival in my lifetime that's hard to explain. I want to see people at, I want to see marriages prosper. I want to see marriages, I want to see young babies being born and, 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 and raised up to be men and women of God. I want my kids to experience everything that God is making possible for them. I, I want, listen, I don't want to be broke. I want God to bless me financially. Does anybody else want that? Come on, how many say, I want that, I, I want that. I, I want God to bless, how many want God to bless your marriage? I want it, I want it, I, I want it. God, I want it so bad, I'm willing to ask for it. Lord Jesus, your promises all throughout your word, you've written these promises and they're for me. Lord, sometimes I get so confused because, because I see it operating in everyone else's life and, and I think maybe it happened back then but it's, it's not for right now and, and, and Lord, why don't you do it like you used to and all of these, these struggles come into my brain but today, Lord, I'm standing up with passion this morning and I'm saying, Lord, I've heard your word and your word is full of promises and Lord, I've heard them and because I've heard them, Lord, I can see the possibility in my own life, Lord and so I'm gonna be passionate, Lord in my want. I'm going to be passionate in my ask, Lord. I, I want you to, I want you to do a miracle in my family. Come on, if that's you, rise to your feet. Say, Lord, I want you to save my daughter. I want you to save my son. Lord, I want you to save my uncle, my aunt, my family, my friends, my co-workers. I want it, Lord. Come on, if that's you, say, Lord, I want it. Begin to cry out, Lord. I want my marriage to be successful. Lord, I, I'm tired of going back and forth. Same thing, same problem, same words. Lord, I I want, I want to thrive in a marriage, Lord, where love grows stronger and stronger by the day, by the month, by the year. Lord, I want your presence. I want your presence moving in my life, Lord. I want to know you're with me. I want to see the future. Lord, I want to see your plans, Lord. I want to participate in the, in the things of God. Lord, I want it, Lord. I want it, Lord. I want you to bless me financially, Lord. Lord, I want you to bless my life, Lord. I want you to prosper me. Lord, I want on earth and as it is in heaven, Lord. I want it, Lord. You promised it. I want it in Jesus' name. Come on. Do you want it? Do you want it? Come on, cry out to God. Lord, I want it. Come on, say I want it, Lord.
some of you need to get out of your chair. You need to grab your wife. You need to grab your husband. You need to come to this altar and say, Lord, I want it. Lord, I want it. I want it. You grab your kids. Bring them to the front. I want it, Lord. I want what you have for my life and nothing less. Lord, nothing else, God. I want more of you, Jesus. I want more of your presence. I want more of your power. I want more of you, God. In Jesus' name. Come on. Somebody needs to get a little passionate. There needs to be a little bit of enthusiasm. Lord, I want it, Lord. Come on. Somebody needs to begin to cry out. Lord, I want my family saved. I want my friends delivered, God. In Jesus' name. Somebody, somebody in this room, you're here today, you say, I want a personal relationship with Jesus. And you say, you know, I, I've been going to church. Listen, your story may be like mine. I went to church for years and years and years. I knew what, I knew what it meant to be saved, but I didn't have a personal relationship with God. And you say, well, how do I know? Well, you know by how you live. You know by how you live. Jesus says, you'll know by your fruit. They'll know you by your fruit. Let me tell you something, you, you could be coming to this church year after year, serving on teams, being a part of ministry, but you'll know by how you live, whether or not you have a relationship with God. And some of you right now, you need to say, I want a relationship with God and I want it more than anything else. I want it more than anything else. If that's you, come on, raise your hand. The Spirit of God wants to touch you today. Come on, all over this room, all over this room, side to side. Come on, lift your hand right there, right there, right there. Come on, anybody else? Come on, all over this room, right there. Come on, come on, anyone else? Come on, lift it up if that's you. I want a relationship with God. I want what I see in other people. Why do they have passion? Why do they have that inside of them? It's because of a relationship with God. You can see it. It's evident. There's enthusiasm. There's inspiration that comes out of their life. What is that? That means they're full of the Spirit of God, and they're living... They're living in God. It's obvious. And you say, well, I don't have that enthusiasm. You can this morning. You can have that. If that's you, you say, I want a relationship with God. I want it to be different than it is right now. Lift your hand up. Come on, all over this room. Come on, lift it up. Some of you, in this, right over here, I see that hand. Come on, over here in the back, over here. Listen, if you raise your hand, I want you to do something. There's, 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 there's stairs up each side. I want you to come and find your way up these stairs. We're going to pray together. Take a, come on. There was a lot of hands. Someone, don't be shy. Don't be bashful. Come on, I want you to come up on this altar. We're going to pray for you today. We're going to pray today. God's going to do something in your life. Come on. You raise your hand. I want you to come down here. Come down here. Come on. Come on up here. Come on. Come on. Come on. There was some more. There was some more hands. I saw some hands right over here. Come on. Don't be afraid. Don't be bashful. Come on. If you raise your hand, get down here. Get down here. Come on. Come on up here. Come on. There. There. Right there. There's my friend Chloe. That's Chloe right there. Come on. Come on. There was some other hands. We're going to give you a few moments. Come on, I want a relationship with God. I want the presence of God. I want his spirit in my life, if that's you. Your want has to overcome the pain of, oh man, what are people gonna think? I've been here a long time. Your want, you have to, 
Come on, you gotta want it more than that. The want, it Come on, your passion has to overcome the pain. Your passion has to overcome the pain. Some of you have been living in compromise. Come on, you've been living in compromise and you know what I'm talking about. You've been living with sin and you've been living with it for a long time and you'll come to church or show up to church but you know your life isn't right. You know your life isn't right. Today's the day. Let's get it right. If that's you, lift your hand up. That's me. That's me. I've been compromised. Come on up here. I want to pray for you. Come on, Daniel. Come on up here. That's you. Come on up here. There's lots of hands. I know I know God's dealing with you right now. Come on, lift your hand up. That's you. Say, you know what? I got to deal with this compromise. Uh, it's, it's stopping my relationship with God. The pain... Come on, the, pain, the, the passion has to overwhelm the pain right now. Do you want the relationship with God? If that's you, come on, get up here. Get up here. Come on. Come on. Come on. Anyone else? All this room, I'm going to give it a few minutes, a few seconds longer. Right, right now, I want, I want a relationship with God. The real thing. Not, 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 I want the real thing. If that's you, come on, get up, get up and get up here. Get up here. Get up here. Get up here. Blind Bartimaeus said, I want to see. There's plenty of other beggars on that street. He said, I want it, I want it, I want it. We're gonna pray right now. We're gonna pray right now. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Look at me real quick, everyone that's up here. Look at me. This takes a lot of guts to do that. That's why, that's why I asked you to come up here. This takes a lot of guts. I, I do it every Sunday. It's never gets, it never gets easy standing in front of people like this. I'll tell you right now, the passion that you're that you're you're showing right now is going to pave the way for the promise of the future that God has for you. Right here, this decision right here in front of everyone is going to open the door for the promise that God has for your life. We're going to pray. Come on in here nice and close. Come on. Let's come in here nice and close. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. God, right now, I pray, Lord, your spirit that's here, your anointing that's here, your presence that's here. God, we call on you right now. Come on, would you, would you help me call on the presence of God right now? Lord, we call on the presence of God. Lord, we know that you're a faithful God. Lord, that you came, your whole desire was to have relationship with us. And so, Lord, these honest men and women that are standing up today, exuberating their passion, they're saying, Lord, I want a relationship with you. I pray right now, miracle transformation right now into their lives come on say after me say Jesus say Jesus say Jesus Jesus I want you I want a relationship with you say forgive me of my sin I know I've done a lot of things wrong I know I'm not perfect but thankfully you are come on say it you are Repeat after me. Say, Lord, I know you died on the cross. You shed your blood so that I could be forgiven, so that I could be free, so that I could experience new life. And so today, I believe that you died for me. Say it. I believe you died for me. I accept you into my life, and I make the decision that from this day forward, I'm going to live for you. I'm going to serve you with all of my heart. Fill me with passion. Come on, say it. Fill me with passion for you. 
in Jesus' name. Lord, right now, Lord, we believe that, that when, when someone gives their life to you, when someone confesses you as their Lord and Savior, we believe just like your word says that the old is gone, new has come. We believe that your spirit enters into this, into this person, Lord, and sets them on fire. We believe that passion for, the, for you and for your word and for your power, Lord, it becomes part of their lives. And so right now, in Jesus' name, I'm praying, Lord, right now, fill them up, God. Fill them up, Lord. God, for Chloe, God, fill her up, Lord, with your presence right now. Lord, this decision right now, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, Lord, right now. Come on, would you pray with me? In Jesus' name, Lord, salvation spring up right now in these hearts, God, in these lives right now. Lord, a touch from heaven right now. I want a relationship with you, God. Come on, say it. I want a relationship with you, Lord, God. I want you in my life. I want you leading me in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Come on. We just need to pray. Lord, we thank you, God. God, we thank you for the miracle of salvation. Are you grateful for God and what he's done in your life? Lord, we're thankful, Lord. We praise you, God. In Jesus' name, Lord. We want you, God. We want you, Jesus, Lord. Oh, man, come on. This is the best decision you could ever make right here, right now. It's the best decision you could ever make. And from this day forward, you're going to disappoint a lot of people. All right? You're going to... Daniel, you're going to disappoint a lot of people. You're going to, you're going to disappoint a lot of people. You're going to disappoint a lot of people in here. You know why? Because you're going to be so passionate for God. You're going to be so on fire for God. You're going to put everyone else to shame, right? You're going to, you're going to, it's not going to die down. It ain't going to die down. Grace, ain't going to die down. It ain't going to die down. I know all the circumstances. Lord, right now over grace. Come on, would you pray for grace right now, Jesus? Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Oh, thank you, God. Lord, embrace, embrace grace right now in Jesus' name. Oh, God, embrace her with your love right now in Jesus' name. Overwhelm her right now. Lord God, I pray right now, reinstill a deep hunger and passion for your word, a love for people. God, you've done it before. Do it again right now, Jesus, right now. Oh, God, she wants you. She wants you in Jesus' name. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord God. We thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, Lord, I just want you. Come on, how many want the presence of the Lord? Come on, how many want the presence of the Lord? Lift your hand all over this room. Come on, lift up your hands. Lift up your hands. Come on, let's worship him together. Oh, thank you, Lord. I just, I just want you and nothing else. Sing it. Oh, nothing else. And nothing else.
sing it out to the Lord. Nothing else will do. I just want you. And nothing else, oh Jesus. Nothing else. Nothing else will do. I feel. I just want the Spirit of the Lord. He's dealing with your heart. And you're afraid. You're afraid to take that area of compromise and put it down. You're afraid you can't do it. But I feel like the Spirit of the Lord would say to you today, how bad do you want it? Because it is in your grasp. The kingdom is there for you. So today, if that's you, I'm asking you right now, right where you're at, allow God to set you free. Let the chains hit the floor. Just let them hit the floor. Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask you to help us, your people, called by your name, or to be the light of the world that you've called us to be. Father, we refuse to allow compromise to dim our light. But instead, Father, we pick up the banner and we move forward in the kingdom of God. Lord, I declare today that our future is bright. In Jesus' name, amen. to move us forward. What a message today. If this really moved you in your life, I know it has moved me, and I'm, I'm a part of this ministry, and I felt deeply moved to all the more in, increase in how much passionate I am for the Lord. I hope you feel the same this morning. I think God is doing some amazing things in a lot of people's hearts today. Don't let it stop. Don't let it end as we end this service, but the service doesn't have to end in here. God, let God continue to do a work within you. Let him continue to do that. Lord, I pray, Lord, as we, be, as we close this time with you, Lord, as, as we close this time together, Lord, I pray that you continue the work in our hearts. Lord, I pray that the conversations that take place, Lord, as we go to lunch and do all kinds of different, go all of our different ways, Lord, that the conversations that we have would be a continuation of what you're doing within us even now. Lord, I pray that you'd continue the work within our hearts, Lord. All I want is you, Lord. All I want is you, Jesus. All this church needs is more of Jesus. And so, Lord, we lift it up to you today, God. We thank you for the time that we've had here together, Lord. Let this continue to well up within us, Lord, this passion, that we would be a passionate people, people that are blessed by you, people that are, are what was it, uh, uh, thermostat Christians. 
I love that. Thermostat Christians, Lord, we thank you, Lord Jesus. And we ask for your blessing on us as we go from here in Jesus' name. Amen. What a time with God today and together as a church. We want to thank you for coming. God bless you as you go. Let that continue in your heart as you leave this place today.